Supper 2021, a series of conversations with culinary leaders, drink specialists and hospitality professionals in the world of F&B. Hello and welcome to the Last Supper podcast of 2021. I am Hilary Rand, consulting editor of Supper magazine. Today, I'm delighted to welcome David Chenery, Director of Object Space Place Sustainable Hospitality Design, as my guest. Object Space Place is an interior architecture and design company with a focus on hospitality and a pioneering approach to sustainability. The aim of David and his team is to develop genuinely restorative restaurants, ones that deliver on the brand's promise while seeking to set a new benchmark in sustainable design. It is not the easiest of paths, but it is one the team are excited to be committed to. Lovely to have you with us today, David. Thank you. Nice to be here, Hilary. Well, let's first talk a little bit about setting up Object Space Place, um, how you got it started, how old is the studio. So give me a bit of background, David. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, actually, last month was our 10-year anniversary, which... Um, I don't know quite where those 10 years have gone, but they have definitely happened. We've got the certificates to prove it. So um, I think like many people, we, we sort of started out as a, a kind of just an entrepreneurial idea to set up on, on my own. It was at the time. Um, so I'd worked for a few different design agencies and I've worked for Westfield on the landlord side. And I always knew I was going to set up on my own. But then we I started this with a couple of clients that I already had. So Chipotle when they were coming over to the UK and another hair salon client. and inevitably then just started this thing where you work for yourself and that didn't really have a huge focus to begin with there's a kind of naivety when you start and set up and we did some retail and hospitality and office and residential and you know you just try and do good work and build good relationships etc but over time as we kind of I came to understand and took on a business partner and employed a few other people you understand that you need to really focus down on what you're really good at and and the niche of things you care about and then after five or six years that led us towards hospitality we just loved the problem solving around that the complexity of the operation um, and also frankly I'm a foodie I love restaurants I love the memories you make in restaurants and hotels and travel it's just it's very life affirming and creating those spaces is, is kind of a joy. It's stressful, but it's a joy as well. The end result. So we focused on that. And then as we were getting more and more into having those conversations with people, we really realized that there was this big sustainability piece that wasn't really being addressed. Um, so we were kind of dancing around it a little bit and we were trying to, you work with our existing clients and help them make more sustainable decisions. But we realized pretty quickly that that's really hard to sell in to people who haven't come to you for a sustainability agenda. You know, building anything is hard. Um, and when things get tough and the commercial decisions need to be made, unless people really have strong values around sustainability, it can quickly go to the side. So, we about three years ago decided to stick our hand up and say we are sustainable hospitality designers um partly to make sure we're holding ourselves to account and really you know say that if we're going to put that name above the door then then we sure as hell better make sure we really try and live up to that um even though i would also say we definitely don't have all the answers <laughs> right now but but also to make sure that we attract the clients that have that same agenda so that we can kind of pursue this mission and and share that with everyone 
And and David, you are uh, you know tackling one of the um, I would say probably the most crucial aspects of the industry, which is sustainability. A word that probably has been used more so in the last year and a half than ever before. Um, and um, I would like to get sort of your definition. And I'm sure it's it's constantly changing and evolving um, because I think it's a it's a word that gets overused and also mm. misused um, in the concept uh, and 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 in the realm of design, right? So what how Definitely. do you how do you define sustainability in design? Yeah, I think we've spent quite a lot of time thinking about that. And obviously, the answer is it's extraordinarily complex. And I always like to simplify things down because my my brain will get lost otherwise. So it kind of keeps me sane. But originally, when we looked at it, I mean, there are some very simple definitions I work with, which, you know, sustainability is simply the our ability to keep things going as they are. So there's a, there's a real basic definition there that if we want to be able to carry on, whether it's a civilization or society or a company or whatever level you go down to, things need to be sustainable. Um, that covers everything, not just the environment, but but everything. Um, but we um, sort of threw ourselves into trying to define what that is. And there are different components that we can look at. So carbon is the big one that people are aware of which is an oversimplified metric but is a very important one um i often say that um carbon is to sustainability what um calories are to a healthy diet like it, it is oversimplified you know i could eat a thousand calories a day and lose weight but if those thousand calories are chocolate and i do no exercise that is not a healthy diet in the same way, you could try and heavily reduce your carbon footprint, but if you do not treat your staff well in a restaurant business, or you have chemicals in all of your food and high VOCs in in um, in in the paint on your walls, or you work out of a dark kitchen which is literally dark and you know there's not enough natural light, that is not a healthy, sustainable space. So, so I think there are some complexities in there. We've also you mentioned about sustainability being an overused word. I think it is. And I think we've tried to give ourselves a mission to go beyond that to something which we call restorative design, which is, again, to really reduce it down for my simple brain, is the idea that we want to get to a point where we can give more than we take. And again, that you know that probably breaks some law of physics or thermodynamics somewhere that you can't actually do that. Um, but the, the principle is that that is the, the guiding point. We need to restore the systems that we have. We need to design in such a way that we are very conscious of the impact we have on others. Um, and I think that's that's a really core the core principle. Thank you, David. I think the word restorative is something that has come up also a lot um, throughout this pandemic. We see, uh, you know, people talking about restorative travel and restorative destinations. Mm. So I do think that that um, is is something that we're we're gonna focus a bit more on when we talk about um, actually the re- restorative design framework. But first, um, I wanna I wanna ask you about how is it actually possible to create sustainable uh, restaurants? Because obviously there are really now, I wouldn't say low-hanging fruit but e- or easy wins, but there are things mm. that can be done, um, you know, quite simply um, before you even maybe get to the design process. Uh, but, but that probably oh, should be definitely. part yeah. of the thinking already from the get-go, correct? D- definitely. I mean, if we zoom all the way out, I mean, that there's a question of if you can ever actually create a genuinely sustainable restaurant within the systems we currently have. You know, if you yeah. make any restaurant in the UK 
um, or any restaurant in the US or whatever country you drop that restaurant into um, or hotel or, you know, any other hospitality piece, you are massively dependent on the sustainability of the systems around you as to what your carbon footprint is going to be. So there is a huge question given our existing systems as to how far we can go. But you're absolutely right. I mean, if you're looking to create, if you really care about sustainability, um, and that can be environmental and social, you know, not just not just the the environmental angle, then you do need to have a look at holistically everything about your business. And I wouldn't start with a design of a new site at all. I, I think if you look at the the data and the statistics, I think um, something like between fifty and seventy percent of the environmental impact of a restaurant um, comes from its menu comes from the food it serves, where it's sourced from. So that should be the absolute number one area that anyone in the restaurant business should look at first. Secondly, they should look at food waste. Um, you know, there's a huge area to look at there in terms of both the waste before it gets to you, the waste and how you process the food and the waste from you know, what customers eat and don't eat, etc. So those would be two core areas that you should look at. And then the third one, if, if you're looking at the actual physical space, is and it applies to both an existing restaurant and a new one being built or a new hotel again, is to look at the operational carbon, which is the energy and the water you effectively consume. And you want to reduce that as much as possible. But those, it's a bit of an um, oversimplification to say that those are the top three for every hospitality business ever. But broadly, from the people we speak to, um, if you look at um, people like um, the Zero Carbon Forum or Net Zero Now, they have very specific roadmaps, which are really useful. But as a rule of thumb, if you looked at those three things, I would certainly start there um, and to ask questions around your business. And, and what, what have you seen in terms of when you talk to clients now, you know, throughout this pandemic and we're kind of, you know, still in it, uh, a lot of uncertainty ahead, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of conversations to be had also from the owner side uh, of what people want to do um, go, going forward. So what's been the sort of general temperature on the, on the sort of ownership side of, of, of how people want to build restaurants going forward and what are their what are their concerns? Do they see return on investment on, on taking this sort of approach? What, what sort of traction are you getting yeah, uh, it, with it, clients? It's, it's quite tricky. I mean, I have to be aware as well that because we have been going so strong in, in sharing this message around sustainability, it's slightly inevitable that we create our own bubble and echo chamber because those are the people I am seeking to talk to and therefore end up talking to. But I do think the agenda does seem to have shifted quite a lot. As you say, people are asking more questions. They want to understand how to do things more sustainably. Um, the ROI question is really hard and it, it does depend on perhaps what mood I'm in that day as to how militant my response tends to be. Um, if you zoom all the way back to the original definition of sustainability, there are three parts. You know, profit is one of them. You need to have a business that can stay in business. That, you know, you can't deny that. Um, you know, and then people and the planet are the other two as well. And, and you need the other three total um, you need to balance all of those but the danger with ROI and people looking at this as a, from a spreadsheet is they start with the the money question rather than you know ROI and financial reward um, needs to be a filter for doing the right thing 
like how much of the right thing can we do now and how quickly can we do all of the right things because the overall roi on designing things sustainably is that in 10 years time your you know your business can still be functioning because the planet is as habitable as can be <laughs> you, know, that, you know if we're going to talk long term that that is really what's up for debate um, or what's up for grabs even um so i think it is it is challenging so that's my kind of philosophical um point but i do understand that there is a pragmatic point as well whereby there are probably there's an order of priority with which people can address this um this approach whereby they can adjust their current business model and make it more and more sustainable which inevitably becomes a journey i mean if you're starting with three existing sites and you want to make those more sustainable you can't do everything overnight without putting yourself out of business but frankly given the scale of the challenge we have we should be looking to see you know how brave we can be to 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 invest that time and effort and money to get there as quickly as possible because i also fundamentally believe that the people that do are going to be the people who are uh winning the most in five ten years time you know there's a huge shift coming that I don't think people really understand um, quite the level of change we're going to see through society in the next 10 years. And if you aren't on the front foot, there's, a, there's you know, it's not even going to be a case of, oh, well, we'll just do the minimum and we'll just kind of get by. I think that's not even going to be enough because the, the pace of change is going to be too fast. So, yeah, the ROI question is challenging. I have to say, though, there are, on the flip side of that, opportunities where applying our design framework or thinking more sustainably can save money there are convenient places where that does happen food waste is often one you know you work with a technology like winnow for example that tracks what goes in the bin on average they can save you something like six to eight percent of your monthly food costs i.e you are buying that much less food so that just comes off of your operating costs you're still serving the same amount operational carbon energy usage again if you if you reduce the amount of energy you spend every month um then you will have more money in your bank account. Now, there might be a, a bit of investment in some technology, but often there's a sort of you know, three-month, six-month, one-year payback on, on those sorts of things. On the other side, because there's been so many restaurants that have gone out of business, in the, you know, the, the area that we look at, 10,000 in the UK in, in the last you know, two years, there are often almost fully fitted out sites which somebody else can come and take over. And in that instance, when you're taking our approach, which is as a default to keep as much of the existing fabric and equipment as possible, you can do things whereby it can cost you a lot less to fit that out. So, for example, we did a coffee shop on King's Road um, during, I think, the second lockdown, and they took over a previous um, coffee shop. So it was part of the Eat group, and they were a coffee shop coming in. So importantly, there was a very strong operational alignment. They didn't have to change the entire operation. But because of that, it became quite a cosmetic refurb, whereby they probably only spent £30,000 instead of £300,000 to, to change the fit out, to apply their identity, to, to, to create their own customer experience within that space. So in that instance, clearly there is a huge advantage to thinking more sustainably and not starting yeah. again. So that's just a few examples, I think, of the 
kind of convenient alignment. But the big point around the ROI is sort of still having a planet to, to work on. Um, is, that does also that should be the starting point, right? <laughs> well, I think so. And I think it has to be. I think if you read books like, um, you know, Net Positive by Paul Pullman and Andrew, Andrew Winston, where they, they talk about how these things go together and the difference also between long-term and short-term thinking, we need more of that. You know, we need to get away from trying to maximize quarterly shareholder value and actually understand the bigger picture about all of the stakeholders involved mm-hmm. in, in a business being successful. And I actually think the people that do it really well and the ones who are the businesses you can tell have this really considered almost selflessness in the business. I'm going to pull out people like Deshume Gales, Mowgli, even Hawksmoor, you know, people you can tell that run a business with this type of culture, they they are the ones who are also going to power away. They, you know, they're, they're the ones who are able to expand a lot more. Um, as a side note, there's a whole question around our, whether our addiction to growth is part of the issue with sustainability. Mm. But um, I think those are the people who are are genuinely building resilient businesses and that's what i think so much of this is about it's you can you can say it's about you know saving the trees or whatever if people are going to be very cynical about it but the point is you need to your business is an ecosystem and you and that ecosystem exists within an even bigger ecosystem and the people that really understand true hospitality know that they need to nourish everything around them to have a, a, a resilient ecosystem itself that can deal with shocks like covid you know people coming out of covid the businesses that are best placed are the ones who had the great relationships with their suppliers who didn't have a supply chain that was very very fragile because it's just come from all over the place from unsustainable sources so i do i do think it is all linked um so yeah that, that's that was probably a bit of a, a kind of long and winding answer but but it, it taking me exactly to the right place because talking about ecosystems and and being you know part of um, a bigger picture, I think that's where we can we can talk a bit more about the circular economy and mm. and and how you use that in your own uh, framework as well because I think that that has a lot of these regenerative principles right that you alluded to at the beginning. Yeah, definitely. It was it was kind of as we got into looking more deeply at sustainability the reason that this all started was i had a conversation with andrew stephen who was the ceo of the sra sustainable restaurant association for five years and he asked me he said oh, i've always wondered what a restorative restaurant would look like you know how would you create that and i think he just meant that as a kind of throwaway comment but that question stuck with me quite a lot um, and i kind of went down the rabbit hole of trying to work out what that was because from a design perspective if we look at how do we measure sustainability? How do we hold ourselves to account, you know, so we can make sure that we're really being honest about this? There are various assessment systems like BRIAM and SCAR, and, they, and these are good and they push to a certain level. But the question is, is that enough? Are, are we are we done if we get that? Have we saved the world? If we get carbon to zero, have we, have we saved everything? Can we celebrate? And I think it just didn't feel coherent enough to me as a system. And that's when I came across the Ellen MacArthur Foundation and the thinking of circular economy, which, as you say, is where we start to get really interesting. Um, so, um, do you think everyone will know what the difference between linear and circular economy is? Or shall I quickly explain that? I think it, it would be worthwhile to, okay. uh, to, to do some definitions. Okay, so super quickly, the linear economy, which is you can think of it as business as usual, is where we dig materials out of the ground, we turn them into a product, 
we then use that product for a short period of time, or in the case of my children, a very short period of time. Um, and then we probably break it or um, get bored of it. And then we throw it away, um, which may go to landfill, may get incinerated. Best case, may be recycled into something else, lower grade at some point in the future. But recycling rates are actually pretty low. So that's the linear. It's just simply a line from digging it up to it being thrown away. Yeah. The circular economy, the principle is that while well, you take that line and you bend it round on itself so that we try and re remove the idea of waste. So it's based on the principles of nature because in nature there is no waste. Nothing goes to waste. It doesn't just build up. Nature has a system whereby it deals with everything and we need to kind of mimic that. So there are sort of three key, key principles to the circular economy. One is to design out waste and pollution. Um, the other one is to keep natural resources in use for as long as possible. And the third one is to regenerate natural systems. So in terms of a design approach, the first two is where we can make the biggest impacts. Regenerate natural systems tends to tie more into um, regenerative agriculture. And when you're looking at those, what's called the biological nutrient stream, which when you start looking at circular economy, some of the terms become really hard to, to, to put in your head, but they talk about a biological nutrient stream, which is anything that kind of biodegrades. And then a technical nutrient stream, which is the stuff we deal with, with sites, which is, you know, metal, brick, um, any kind of materials like that. And tell me then, um, you, you've done a great um, restaurant um, up in Cardiff um, yes, called Kindle. Kindle. So uh, uh, maybe you can share how you've used some of these principles that you've just talked about and, and in generally the, the restorative design framework uh, within that project, because it was an existing site, right? Very derelict. Yeah. And, and how, you, how you built that up to, uh, yeah. to make it into a restaurant. Absolutely. And I think what, one other thing we knew, the reason we wanted to develop this into a framework is because there are various examples of one-off individual interesting projects that are pushing sustainability. But we know the problem is bigger than the one-off project. And we need to find a way to apply these principles to multiple projects. And that will mean that they have to be applied differently to different places. So Kindle is a good example of a one-off independent restaurant with a relatively challenged budget, um, you know, but really, really clients that are passionate about sustainability. The whole food is about um, sustainable sourcing and then cooking over fire. That's the two things that come together um, in, in that space there. But it was a derelict. It was a bungalow um, on the edge of a, a warden's park. It was a domestic bungalow. It did not want to be converted into a restaurant. It fought us every step of the way. Um, but it was interesting from our perspective to apply the framework for the first time. We did look at using the SCAR system, which is SKA, which is a way of measuring the holistic um, kind of level of sustainability that we that we managed to embed within our design but then alongside that we also looked at enhancing um, thinking from a circular economy so we're trying to make sure you know many much of the furniture is reclaimed as possible we were trying to design out waste so one example where we had to punch a new wall in in the brick um, on the side of the building to get access to the kitchen we took those bricks and we reused them in the garden to create a sort of um, you know a line edging to one of the path areas within the space itself where we had to line out some of the brickwork in order to meet building regulations so again we've got a challenge generally if you're converting spaces is we don't want to put stuff in there where we can but we need to upgrade the fabric enough mm -hmm. to keep the heat in 
So there's this kind of trade-off you have to work through. But when we had to do that, we then used a, a plaster finish, which was actually just the bonding coat. So whenever you plaster a wall, you normally do a bonding coat. Then you put your finished coat on and then you paint it. Well, what we did is we didn't do the top coat. We just did the bonding coat. So you've got half the amount of labor, half mm. the amount of material. It's cheaper. And in this case, it tied really well with the brand DNA, which is a lot kind of rougher finish. So wherever we can, we're looking at minimizing the amount of material to create an aesthetic and an experience that ties in with the DNA of, of the restaurant. There are plenty of other little examples I could go through, but I, I, I don't want to go too long into just explaining about Kindle. But does that does that help explain? Absolutely. I, I think it's, uh, you know, great examples of, of how uh, elements of, of whether it's a circular economy framework or the thinking of, of being restorative and, and, and reusing, um, you know, how how many things you can actually uh, uh, reuse in a space and and, and repurpose them for uh, for for different usage, and I think that's that's something that um, old buildings and existing buildings um, provide as a challenge, right, for for any sort of architectural and design uh, team. Because when we talk about our you know building new places, uh, I would argue, and I don't know if you agree with me, that it's maybe at times easier than mm-hmm. than using um, existing infrastructure to to build something sustainable because like you said the building was fighting you uh you know at every step of the way so i do think that there's there's definitely a differentiation right whether we're talking about new builds or or refurbishments or 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 rest, you know restoring old space absolutely no i think you're absolutely right and it's um it is more effort to do this and the yeah. reason for that is that the existing systems are not set up to do it and it, it is just easy i mean we're working on a project now whereby we are we there is a there is an existing timber staircase the buildings are got a ground and basement floor the staircase isn't as we need it to be so we've had to take the stair out and we have asked the contractor to take carefully take apart the staircase and then we are now getting them to cut it up and sand it down and turn that into a cladding Mm. or you know a feature cladding on one wall three walls within the restaurant and this is for actually for um uh, for Chantelle Nicholson's new restaurant, Apricity, in, oh. in kind of London. And she's, you know, massively into sustain- sustainability and circular economy and really on board with the ideas. But, you know, the challenge we have is convincing the partners we work with that this is a good idea. Mm-hmm. You know, people, through all good intentions, want things to be certain. They want it to be quick and easy so that there's less risk in the process. And what we're doing is effectively asking questions to pick some of those apart. And that means we have to put more effort in. That might mean I have to do five more, you know, drawings or extra site visits to say, no, 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 come on, don't, don't let's just get this out of the way. Let's make it, make the effort and make this happen. So yeah, the effort question is, is a hundred percent there. Um, and it's something that we're, we're wrestling with, but I think we believe in the end goal and the mission of this, which is why we are trying to get as many people on board as possible and, and kind of make sure that it does happen. Well, thank you, David, so much for joining us on the podcast. And, uh, you know, these, this is just a glimpse of, of what uh, what you are doing with Object Space Place and, and everything that you're building. Uh, we could talk about this uh, for hours because there's uh, this would just scratch the surface today, right? Yeah, but very I, much I, so. <laughs> but I think it's, um, it gave a good overview of, of um, you know, what sort of thinking you're using in, in designing sustainable restaurants, and, and which is definitely the way forward. And I think a really nice way to... Um, end the year with this uh, podcast series so thank you so much david for joining us here on supper 
You're welcome. Thank you very much. It's been fun. Supper 2021, a series of conversations with culinary leaders, drink specialists and hospitality professionals in the world of F&B.